It's undiagnosed. My hair hurts. And then they lost the teeth. Wednesday's the day. I've seen a man fight a goose. None of this makes sense. Boxer large watches. My cousin sold his left ear on eBay. Choose the past. Can you hear me? I once put my head through a closet door. I should have learned more good. Taco waterfall. Mud tunnel. What's going on out there, everybody? Welcome again to another Broken Talk episode. And you know what we do here, at least by now. And the first thing I got to point out here is how well this podcast is actually doing. I've got quite a bit of listeners over the last few episodes, the new episodes, the changing of the episodes, I guess you'd say. And, uh, you know, about 100 plays, guys. 100 plays on all the new episodes. I love that. Uh, that means you guys are taking to it, which is good. That means, hey, I'll keep doing it. I mean, there's too many podcasts out there as it is doing exactly this. So to stand alone, to be valued to any degree is very special. And I thank you for allowing me to feel this way. Now, last episode, I mentioned the Tiger King. I talked about the Bone Thugs and Harmony fight uh, with 3-6 Mafia. There was a lot of really fun stuff in that episode. Now, this episode is going to have a lot of fun stuff as well. I just don't think it's going to be as good. I'm going to come right out of the gate and say that. I'm going to come right out of the gate and say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope it's good. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a good time listening to it. So let's get into this. The first thing I got to say, man, I've been watching a lot of this fucking true crime. I know people talk about this subject a lot. And this isn't a true crime podcast by any means, but I'll tell you what. I thought most of the days of the week were comedy days. I could find something hysterical to watch, whether it was a, an Impractical Jokers podcast or episode excuse me, or a comedy podcast. I was going to find something that was going to fill the comedy void throughout the week. And I did. More often than not, there was comedy. It got to the point where I could almost schedule no comedy on Sunday. Okay, when Sunday rolled around, I knew at some point I was going to have to get into some true crime. So I did. I don't really know how I found this. There's one specific YouTube channel that I'm always following. It's called That Chapter. Very talented dude. I like what he does, the way he gives you the story. And I don't know if that led me to this other channel, but either way, I ended up watching all these interrogations uh, from a channel called Stranger Stories. Now, I'm not really sure what that means. All I know is that the videos are very Jim Can't Swim inspired. They have a lot of information. It's an interrogation. You're literally watching whoever just did the bad thing be interrogated, and they periodically stop it and let you know how they feel and extra information that wasn't given right there. And there's a lot of crazy ones. There was the the Beaver or Bever, I think. These two young boys. Um, two young boys, 16 and 18, They slaughtered, essentially, their whole family. And the interrogation is uh, uh, Michael Beaver, who was 16. He was the young one. 
at the time of the attacks and this is just bizarre he's so forthcoming with all the information he says what was up i don't know how much extra he was involved but he definitely killed part of his family as well um but he was obviously influenced by the brother obviously the goddamn kid's got a smile on his face when he's arrested covered in blood and brain matter and just all this shit from killing his whole family and Michael, he looks disheveled, but he's definitely not smiling. He looks fucked up. And the weirdest thing for, for this interrogation that I ended up watching was, of course, the information that you hear. You know, he kills his little brother and shit. Uh, but then you see the photo of them when they finally got arrested. And Michael Beaver just looks fucked up, like... His shirt is torn to bits, but it's still somehow on. There's no way that that isn't from the attacks. There's no way that that isn't from him being more involved. But that was one that really stuck out to me because the ones that stick out to me, I'll do independent research. I'll go check in into them, see what else has happened and uh, where they've gone from there and situations like that. But that is a fucked up and twisted tale. And I found myself watching many of these. I found myself going down a rabbit hole of ridiculous and insane tales of crime. And that led me to sort of start searching around on the streaming services for new documentaries. Okay? Something that could learn me something, right? I gots to be learned did something, folks. And that's what I did. I go on this long, deep dive and essentially just fill up my queue. <laughs> I get all of these films into this queue that I'll probably never actually watch. And the reason this is is because Netflix is currently putting out foreign documentaries. It's like it's entirely overdubbed by somebody in a vocal booth, much like myself, aka a closet with a microphone, and they just redo the documentary in English, and you're supposed to be like, no, it's still good. It's still good. It's not. Okay, I can listen to subtitles. Listen to sub I can watch subtitles all day long. But when I have to hear somebody say the words coming out of this person's face, it's a little more difficult to bear. So as I'm looking for these documentaries, okay, I'm looking for something to watch, to something that'll pique my interest. I mean, I've watched every single documentary that has ever existed about murders, right? The Cheshire murders, the weird families, uh, the guy who burnt his house down and took off, and he's still out there. Um, I will say one of the more recent, before I get into this documentary, one of the more recent episodes that I watched, not episodes, but I guess episodes of this Stranger Stories, whatever it was, it was these two brothers, okay, two different brothers, and <laughs> I gotta find this because it's very vital to where I'm going, it'll help, you know bring the thought back to my head oh there's another channel Mr. Ballin or something like this and uh, here we go let's see so one of the more recent videos that bothered me of course uh, the frat boy that did what he did um, eating the face of that guy 
but there's this other one. Okay, it says uh, the most terrifying family you've never heard of. Okay. Let's see. Uh, the Killing Hour, right? There was some sort of a cult situation that was going on in this household. Um, there were several members sort of sprawled out. It wasn't very organized, but whatever religious rules that they had were bad. And at some point, the father sees lustrous eyes from his wife, and his son proceeds to bash her head in with a... What is it? A wooden clothes hanger. And the dad plays the organ over and over. Then they, they what happens is they switch back and forth. One plays the organ while the other one is slaughtering. The other one plays the organ while the other one's slaughtering. The two sisters come down because of all the commotion. Uh, they get told that the killing hour is uh, upon them. So similar situation. They end up killing the two sisters. Uh, then they travel to America where the third sister is now living. And they say, uh, not even America, I don't even know where they were, but they travel to wherever this third sister is. And they tell that third sister, hey, we had to kill your mom and two sisters, but uh, all is well. And she doesn't even react. She reacts like, you did what you had to do. And if you look at the pictures the photos, the thumbnail of this family. I mean, the son's eyes are just wide as all hell. You can tell he's out of his mind. It's a black and white photo. I couldn't even tell you the name of the family. Um, let's see. <clears throat> okay, it was called the Lorber Society, right? Very strange. I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say that without going into any more detail you'll have to look into it very cool youtube channel but what a fucking crazy case that was because he ends it by saying oh yeah they escaped they escaped but if this happened in like the 1970s which i think it's something around that time because that's when the culting was so large if this happened in the 1970s those guys are pretty fucking old at this point where could they be maybe they're your neighbor but anyways, this documentary that I end up finding in my search, I did not find on Netflix, okay? I find it on HBO Max. I had heard a little bit about it. I've heard a couple different comedians and podcasters talk about it. So I said, well, I'm going to fucking check this out. I got to watch this. If they're recommending it and I enjoy them, chances are I'm going to enjoy this documentary. And it's simply called Life of Crime, Okay doesn't sound too fascinating. You can kind of expect it to be what it is. But what makes it interesting is the fact that the movie started being filmed in 1984. All right? That's before many of you were born. And then finished filming in 2020. Now, what takes place in the very beginning is... These two guys, one of these guys is a white guy, the other one's like, a, he's a Puerto Rican guy or something like this. He's got a ponytail, he's kind of jacked, and these two guys work together in stealing from stores, okay? they simp I don't know what stores they are, I don't know where they are, but they're going into these stores, they're just grabbing things. They put it inside of another thing and walk out with it, no one's the wiser. And many times they were taking sheets, they would find sheets and take those. And it just makes you wonder, who the fuck is trading drugs for a 500 thread count? Right? Give me something a little sweeter. But they would sell these items 
trade them, do whatever they had to do with these stolen items, and eventually they get popped. And the reason that this is is they're stealing these things because they're not getting a job and they're doing drugs. All right, both these guys have families, they have friends, they care about them, but they get heavy into the drugs. They meet a girl, uh, her name is Delirious, and the only reason I remember that is because uh, they say it so much and it's fucking weird. But she ends up being like the girlfriend of the one guy, she's already got a baby, then she ends up becoming a prostitute because she gets into the drugs as well after she meets the first guy. Uh, later down the road, she ends up being with both of the guys somehow. She's like living with the one dude who's clean now after doing a, a small stint in prison. It all just goes to shit, man. It literally just goes to shit. I mean, the the jacked guy with the ponytail ends up getting HIV or AIDS or something like this, and he ends up dying after being in prison for 10 years and getting free, trying to do right on the streets, and then, bang, dies of that. Uh, he's also back on the drugs. He gets back in the drugs while he's got HIV, uh, the other guy, I think his name is Roy or something, I don't know, Rob, yeah, it's Rob, Rob ends up decaying in wherever he's staying, whatever apartment he's staying in, because he takes a, a, a hit of heroin after not doing it forever, and it kills him, and he dies in his kitchen, and he lays there for weeks, so his body was already decomposing when they find him. Fun. Now, the female Delirious, obviously she went through a lot of shit. Was it specifically because of Rob? Was it because of uh, the other guy? I don't know what his name was. I swear I forget. But either way, we continue to follow her life. That is sort of the end of the movie where she has changed. She's trying to help other people that have dealt with a similar situation. Okay? Other people that are dealing with addiction. She's trying to save lives. And then for some strange reason, she decides, hey, today I need to get high. And she buys, mind you, her kids are adults now. And they are peppered throughout the documentary as kids while she's trying to get drugs or getting high. It's fucked up. And she ends up, like I said, deciding to get high. And buys buys $5 worth of heroin and, and dies. And it's that's just the end. It's such a fucked up life of crime movie, documentary, whatever it is. I mean, you have to feel so twisted as the director. As the producers. Because to be honest, there wasn't much crime. I mean, they were doing petty theft. Okay, petty theft. And maybe some prostitution here and there. But wh what? how do we get to this? How do we get to life of crime? I mean, show more crime then. You essentially just showed them using drugs. Getting high. Being high. I mean, at one point, this Rob character is literally living in a abandoned building. Okay, he's passed out and nodding out. In on the sidewalk amongst debris from like the building, you know, being destroyed, excavated or whatever. It's embarrassing. And now these people are all dead. 
and we're showing their their struggle with this life altering drug. I mean, it's impressive. It's impressive. We get away with such things. And holy hell, especially Delirious, because she changed her life. She changed her life. She was trying to be better, make a difference. And instead she dies because she can't get away from it. But I will say it is worth the watch. I mean, it's one of those that you watch that you can't stop until it's over. Which means it's good. But nonetheless, let's carry on. Uh, get out of this grim topic. Just giving you guys some more things to watch and just sort of what I've been checking out here lately. I ended up watching uh, comedian Pete Corielli's special. It is called For Pete's Sake. It is available on YouTube. It comes from All Things Comedy's YouTube channel. And what a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. A great watch. Totally recommended. Uh, just a crazy guy. You know, I've been listening to a lot of Pete and Sebastian as far as uh, podcasts go. But seeing the special, y you get why the guy does what he does. And he writes for television with Kevin James. But to kind of close this out before we get to the, the news and the headlines and all the cliché-ness, I will say, man, fucking work stinks. And I think a lot of people can agree, work, it sucks. Nobody really enjoys it unless you're your own boss and you can do things your way, in which uh, some of us do by podcasting. But anyways, uh, recently, there's this fucking scrub of a human being. This leech of a human being that keeps coming around. Okay, there's something wrong with him. He's obviously some sort of a drug addict. Uh, he comes in smelling like gasoline or uh, moldy Fritos. He's greasy as shit. His hair is disgusting. He wears his pants around his ankles. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Okay? I can't pinpoint it. What I do know is he doesn't belong working uh, anywhere. And as far as we were concerned, he had already lost his job. The people bring him back. And that was frustrating, but they brought him back with stipulations. It was essentially, hey man, this is your last chance. Don't fuck up. Don't be late. Show up on time. Uh, don't miss days. Don't call off. Do what you're supposed to do while you're here. So on and so forth. It goes well for two or three days. And by the fourth day, he doesn't show up. Now, by my standards, and I think everybody else's, that's bye-bye. That's you bye-bye. You don't call, you don't text, you don't pop in, you just don't show up, nothing. You gotta be fired. After you were already told, hey man, show up on time, do what the fuck you're supposed to do, don't miss days. And the first thing you do three days in is miss a fucking day. And what that did is make me have to do extra work. Now, I don't care. I'll do it. I'm a yes man. All right. I'll just get it done and bitch about it the whole time, but I'll still do it. Okay? Whereas other people will just bitch about how they don't want to do it. I'll be doing it while I bitch about it. Does that make sense? It's fucked up, but it works fine for me. It gets me ahead. 
So when this extra work piles up, this is not the first time this has happened, you get frustrated because whoever this person is, or whoever he thinks he is, in his head he believes he's only hurting one person that he doesn't like. Okay? And it's the management. He doesn't like one particular manager. He says, hey, I can't come in and work with this person. But now you're hurting other people. You're making extra work for myself. And that's where I draw the line. That's where I say, hey, fuck you all the way to hell. (laughs) I'm finished with you. So he doesn't show up for a day. But then the next day, after I had already told everybody around me, hey, man, it's either me or him. If this dude comes back and works on my shift, I'm fucking out of here. And sure enough, he shows up the next day, and he's acting like nothing happened. So is everybody else, though. Nobody's saying anything. Nobody's doing anything. We're like, what What the fuck is the problem? Take him into the office. Scold him. Let him know this is your absolute and final chance. But nothing happened. He, ca- he was skipping, for all I can fucking say. He was dancing and twirling, but by God, he still fucking stunk. He still was greasy as shit. But for some reason, they don't want to say nothing, and I almost lost it. So while he's there, I work for about 45 minutes to an hour with him there. And the whole time, I'm thinking, as soon as there's a chance for me to let him know how I feel, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. And how I was going, I was trying to figure out what's the best thing to say. What's the best way to initiate the conversation? And the only thing that kept crossing my mind was, hey, thanks for fucking us yesterday. And I felt like that was exactly the emotion that I want him to get from me. Thanks for fucking us yesterday. Because I'm saying, I don't care about your problem and why you couldn't be here because you could have been so thanks for fucking us and it was beyond frustrating because the kid already doesn't do anything he's already been given so many chances and he's still doing the same shit now and he is back again so I put it on the line and while I was there for that 45 minutes I'm thinking of saying something to him never found the right time and in the time that I finally was like okay now I can say something I was told to go on break. I was told to go on break. So I do. I go back there. I grab my bag, sunglasses, sweatshirt, whatever. I go out the back door, and I leave, dude. I just fucking left. I said, I'm not putting up with it. They think that I was fucking playing when I said, it's me or him, so I'll show you. Goodbye. And that's perfectly good for me. It felt great. It's only the second time that this has happened. But both times felt so good. Because they think it's a joke. Like I'm in there busting my ass. Both of these both of these times I'm in there busting my ass. I mean I was 17 at this one job. And I was working till like 1 o'clock on school nights. It was absurd, but I still did it, 
And to think that you could treat us a specific way and we're not allowed to react? Look at all these places around here that need people. You can go make ridiculous money at the easiest job right now. So the fact that you're going to treat me like I'm some sort of fucking asshole by doing this, I'll just show you and I won't come back. And it felt so good. I mean, it, I'm, I don't recommend people quitting their jobs, but by God, the best way to do it is just to leave in the middle of the shift. Just goodbye. <laughs> just disappear, dude. It feels fantastic. But I didn't lose my job. I still have my job. It's just the fact of like, things needed to change and there's not enough alpha males at this place to get shit done. And I certainly don't want to wear that badge but I'm still a human being, and there's still a level of respect necessary from employees. No matter how high on the fucking totem pole you are, there's still a level of respect that is necessary for everyone. And I, I'm not the guy to sit there and just let things happen. There is a breaking point, and when it breaks, everybody's gonna know it. But speaking of breaking, let's talk some new news. Okay, so the first headline that I saw that kind of sparked an interest in my mind, it simply said, Italian Bishop says sorry for telling children Santa doesn't exist. Whoa, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, that's like a McDonald's employee saying he doesn't like the McNuggets. Right? An Italian bishop says the Santa doesn't exist. I mean, it truly sounds like this is the type of bishop that has been buying outrageous gifts for his kids and they still think that some random stranger in a red jumper is putting them under the tree. The fuck out of here! And they do specify he's an Italian bishop. They don't say he's an English bishop. You know, an Amish bishop. He is Italian. So, of course, he says, Hey, Juliana, you know, Dad is the one that purchased that tricycle for you. It was not, and it was expensive, very hard to get. I ordered from the Amazon. I had to put it together myself. You know, this is a lot of work. The fat man in the red suit, he's not doing that. I'd like a little credit. It's like the parents that have to put their name on some of the gifts instead of Santa. Instead of from Santa, they have to put their name. So, of course, this Italian bishop puts his name on most of the gifts, but the kids are still like, No, Papa, this is from uh, this is from uh, Santa Claus. He come to the house through the chimney. Well, Juliana, we don't have a fucking chimney, okay? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Uh, anyways, <laughs> that was kind of fun. Um, the next one here I got says, um, Well, I will say this. Let me finish with this. If you're an Italian bishop, I just wouldn't be putting out this type of information. What's next? The Pope's going to tell us the tooth fairy is not real? 
But anyways, the school employee, this is the next headline. The school, a school employee forces a nine-year-old to eat waffles from the trash can. Now, I will say, did these waffles have syrup on them already? Were they already syrup waffles? Okay, because that's going to catch. You're going to get a lot of residue from the trash can in the syrup. It'll be a problem. But if these are just toasted waffles, there's no syrup, you could probably eat them with nothing on them. That's fine. There's a lot of homeless people out there right now that would find cooked waffles in a trash can with no syrup, and it would be a delicacy. Okay? But what bothered me the most and what stood out the most about this article, about this headline, excuse me, is the fact that it doesn't say teacher. It doesn't say principal. Okay? It doesn't say parent. It says school employee. What the fuck does that mean? Who? Who is it? If it's not a teacher, who's making a kid eat out of the trash can? Right? Is it a janitor? Did a janitor watch a girl throw away fresh waffles? And he thought better of it? And he said, excuse me, Susie. Those are perfectly good waffles. If you didn't want them, you shouldn't have got them. But since you did, you're going to have to eat them. And I'll tell you what, even though I'm doing that voice, it's not much different than my own voice, I am still doing it as the character who's serving Sloppy Joe's from Billy Madison. Okay? That is still what I picture the janitor to look like. You know you kids like them sloppy. Right? You like them sloppy. But anyways, this is a nine-year-old. This is a school employee. I don't feel like there should be any interaction between the two. Or are they just considering the gym teacher an employee since he doesn't really do anything else? <laughs> He just teaches gyms. I mean, come on. Uh, the next headline we're going to talk about here, I'm only bringing it up, and I'm not even going to read the rest of the headline, but I'm just going to simply say this. Too much Chrissy Teigen. Okay, apparently she was posting a, a photo of her and her children in the bath, and the internet didn't like it. And I'm telling you what, this bitch is just doing anything to stay relevant, because truth be told, most people don't know who you are outside of the social media. I didn't know you were a model. I don't know how you were a model. You look like a fucking Cabbage Patch doll. Okay, still. And that's never been cute. No one's ever thought, hey, let's find a hot girl and stretch her sideways. That's essentially what happened. They just pulled her just far enough that her eyes weren't too far apart. Alright? I bet she turned sideways to go through a doorway, and I bet it's not even that big of a doorway. And I bet it's not even that small of a doorway. I would imagine this bitch is so wide that she runs into stuff with her shoulder and doesn't know why. And what was she a model for? Von Dutch? Sobe water? What did she model for? Playtex? I don't recognize her. I don't know where she's been as a model. I don't know how John Legend would have came across her. Right? Did he have posters of her on his wall? Is she from Baywatch? I don't know who she is. All I know is she's, uh... Very full of herself. 
She thinks very highly of herself and everybody else sucks. But truth be told, most of the money that's coming into that household is uh, John Legend. Okay. Guaranteed. So as I said too much, fucking Chrissy Teigen. Move on. Who, are, who is still paying attention to this bitch? But this next one is a doozy, guys. I'm looking forward to looking at this, and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. But it is a uh, list of comedians that have worked together with other comedians, and they are now together. They're a couple. It's going to be a surprising list, but I definitely look, look forward to making fun of it. Let's do it. Okay, so this first one is really the only reason I was interested in this uh, list to any degree. And apparently Joe Coy and Chelsea Handler have revealed that they're a couple. And uh, that's insane. That's insane. What a strange, strange couple that they make. I mean, they're both super wealthy as comedians, I suppose. More Joe Coy than uh, Chelsea. But, oh, come on, man. What are we doing? What is this? You know, are they going to be the next power couple in comedy? And then you got Will Forte. You know, these guy, uh, this, this guy married a girl I've never seen before. So, there you go. And these aren't even comedians. That's the crazy part. They're not all comedians. The first set was comedians. That's it. Yeah, as I click through, but then we got fucking Jonah Hill, who in this picture, him and his wife or girlfriend or whatever, uh, are dressed the same, except he is dressed like he might be going to the, like he might be going to the Coco Cabana, okay? He looks like a zoot suit type of guy. He's got his chest out with what looks to be uh, some sort of a ship <laughs> on his chest. His hair is disgusting. Like I said, the guy looks like he's been in the sun way too long. Uh, there's something going on with him. But hell, at least he's a comedy type of guy, right? He does funny shit. But there's no other comedians, guys. What's happening? What is going on? This list is a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, so there's that. Um, 